Our Father in heaven, we desire to honor you this morning and lift up your name and just recognize your work of redemption and restoration of the things that we have ruined, including our own lives. But in your grace and mercy and with your power through your Son, you are restoring to yourself in holiness. Lord, and we thank you for this and desire to honor you in your Son's name. Amen. This morning's uh, kind of different. Primarily what I'm going to be doing is just giving a report about my last trip to Papua New Guinea as we continue working on the Finney New Testament translation. And uh, in the handout in there, as you can see, I kind of had a Bible lesson at the end, which I might or might not get a little bit of that. But primarily what I'm going to be doing is just telling stories about what I see the Lord doing there in Papua New Guinea. I'll give some details about the translation, but... The more I thought about this presentation, the more I just want to tell you what I got to see. Um, a lot of you know when, when uh, Carrie and the kids and I lived in Papua New Guinea for several years in the past, we were involved in a program that was kind of a Jeremiah kind of ministry, uh, you know, where we worked away, but it, it wasn't the time. And uh, we didn't see a lot of fruit. What the Lord was doing, that, that's in His hands. But for whatever reason, he's allowing us to participate in something that's just amazing. And I just want to share the fun, the fun part. Um, as you'll recall, the New Ireland Translation Institute, there were some um, colleagues that we'd worked with in Papua New Guinea about a dozen years ago. They kind of got this program started. We're trying to pick up several of the tribal languages in the New Ireland province area of Papua New Guinea that the New Testament had not been translated into, and we wanted to work in those and, and get the New Testament in, in these remaining tribal languages in that area. We started out working with about 11 languages. I think we got five of them are done now. In fact, when I go back in April, we'll be having the dedication uh, for one of the New Testaments, the Kondos New Testament. But there's uh, six of us languages. We're still working. We're making progress. This is us uh, at the last session. Um, I hadn't planned this until a couple of days ago when I stuck this picture in here and I was looking at it. I decided I want to talk about something for a, for a moment, and that's about these ladies' hair. And it's not really about their hair, but that's just where I want to start. That's what got me thinking about it. Um, you look at several of the Papua New Guinean ladies, you notice their hair is, is kind of a light brown, and, and it's all exactly the same color. And I just, I knew their hair changed color some, but I didn't think much about it. I, uh, these ladies are all nice friends, you know, they're sisters in the Lord, but I don't talk to them about their hair. But, <laughs> but they were, they were, they were talking to, uh, some of the ladies were talking to some of the, to the women advisors, like, uh, Robin here, who's Australian, and where's Elizabeth? She's Swedish, she's American. Uh, anyway, the ladies were talking to them, and what it is is uh, these ladies were dyeing their hair, and they had been using different colors, and they all kind of as a group decided that they, they were all going to dye their hair the same color. And one of them had gotten the wrong color in the store, and she didn't match the others, and they were teasing her, but they had all picked. I don't remember the name of it, uh, but they, that's why so many of them have hair that's exactly, I think she's the one that missed that's Mondas, and she is hysterical. She's a funny lady. But here's why I bring that up. 
They're coloring their hair for the same reason those of us who have hair might color our hair. (laughs) As you know, they're getting gray. They're getting gray. And this is what struck me. I've thought about this before. Nearly everybody in that picture, both expat and Papua New Guinean, is a grandparent. In fact, until this new couple came, I think they're our age. I, I think I was the youngest expat out of the group. And a lot of these Papua New Guineans, most of them are quite a bit older than they look. Uh, nearly all grandparents. Now, there's a few youngsters in their kids in their 30s and 40s. And I kept looking at that picture. I kept thinking, oh, what a challenge that is to me. What do you want to be doing when you're old? What do you want to be doing when you're old? These people want to be serving the Lord. That's what they want to be doing. That's a neat thing when you work for the Lord. He doesn't... He doesn't force people to retire at 65. They keep going. Um, I can remember as a little kid when my dad was 35 and I thought he was old. Now my son is 35. And I don't, I don't think I'm old yet. But you know my mother-in-law, Ruby, you know, we were talking about she's got a compression fracture in her back and uh, she's in the hospital in Fort Worth, probably going to rehab tomorrow or the next day. Ruby's 81, and you guys know Ruby. And uh, and when she first hurt her back and we didn't realize what was going on, she was still at home. The family was all there. She's in terrible pain, can barely move. We're trying to get her into the hospital. Um, and, and she's trying. There's people wanting to come over, and she's trying to get up and take care of people and do hospitality and do this service and stuff. And and my wife and her sisters are trying to sit on their mother's head to get her to be still, and she won't stop. And I think, I'm thinking, my mother-in-law is 81. (laughs) She's 81 with a broken back, and she's wanting to serve her Lord by loving people. And I'll tell you something about Ruby that those of you who know, you know this is true. Ruby is not going to be put to pasture. She is going to die in harness serving her Lord and loving people. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm one of the world's laziest people. I keep wanting to look for excuses to sit on the sideline. But Ruby won't do that. And that's something that's such an encouragement to me. Even at my age, there are a few of you that are older than I am. And there's so many people at Grace Bible Church that that's their approach. Is your last breath, you'll be serving, you'll be praising and serving your Lord. And sometimes I think about talking to the other elders. Maybe we should run a banner out on our sign that says, Do you want to die with your boots on? Join us at Grace Bible Church. Well, that's free. That's just another something that I just, I just looked at that picture. That's another thing I see in Papua New Guinea. I'll tell a story about this one guy, Wesley. He's several years older than I am. And uh, a few years ago, when I first started having grandchildren, uh, of course, they were, they're all about family. And so they were all excited that now I was a grandpa. And, and uh, he, he's quite a few grandchildren, quite a bit older than mine. And one day, Wesley came up to me and he said, David, how do you feel about your grandkids? And I said, oh, I, yeah, I like grandkids. And he said, yeah, me too. He said, you know, he said, I love my kids. He said this in English. He said, I love my children, but my grandchildren are very dear to me. 
And uh, one time when we were taking the truck up the road, the session was over and we several hour truck ride and we stop at different people villages and drop them off. And he got off the bus and this teenage boy came just running up and grabbed him. He was a grandson and uh, he was so glad to see his grandson. And one of the things that struck me is most of these people, they haven't gone as far as I do. I've gone 8,000 miles to go over there, eight or 12. I don't know how far it is. It's 16 hours. But anyway, they may have only gone 40 or 50 miles, but they're making the, exactly the same sacrifice I am. They're leaving their family. They're coming there and they're pouring their heart out and doing this. It's hard work. They're separated from their family for that time. Um, and it's just a marvel to see how the Lord is working in people's hearts. Their desire to do this, to strengthen their own churches and to bring God's Word more clearly to their families who are not believers. Anyway, it's just... Another example of how I'm just sharing things that I see God doing there. So I'm going to talk about the Finney translation in particular. And I subtitled this, God is building his kingdom by his power in his people. These are the guys that I mainly work with. Again, they're kids. You know, they're just in their 30s. I think Joachim's in his 40s. He has a grown daughter who's a school teacher. Uh, They're in their 30s. You know, they have their families. Uh, before I get to the specifics of where we are, what I want to share, you remember uh, before I went, there were two prayer points that I brought up that we were struggling with in the Finney team that I've, that it was really a heavy for me, for me. One was that there's one of these four guys is a much, much, he's far and away the best translator of the group, very linguistically savvy. He's, he's just good. He puts me in the shade. But the problem is he knows that, and he's a little bit big head, and uh, he's not really willing to listen to the other guys, and the other guys kind of like, well, what's the point of us giving any input, because so-and-so is just not going to change it and not like it, you know. And, and I know Finney pretty well, but the whole point, the whole reason we're working together is I obviously don't know it as well as they do, so these are, we're talking about subtle calls that I can't really make, and so I, you know, I don't know what to do. So we were praying about that that they would be able to work together as a team. And then secondly, all four of them were kind of going slack. It was getting to where we were getting fewer and fewer hours a day were we working. And, you know, really none of us can do this for more than about five hours a day. I've, I shared in the earlier session, I mainly earn my living as a veterinarian doing surgery. I can do surgery for 10 hours straight without a break, and that's not hard. But doing this for five hours will fry my brain. And... uh but, you know, it's hard for them to, and they were going more and more slack, taking longer and longer breaks. And so I had asked for prayer about that. And so I went to this session all prepared that, okay, I'm going to have to provide some leadership here, which I don't like to do. I've worked for 10 years to not be their boss. We're a teamwork. I have, I'm bringing certain technical expertise, but I'm not their boss. I don't, they don't, they're not my boys that work for me. But I thought, well, it may be time to provide some leadership here. And I was really dreading it. Got there. Oh, I have to add this too. My wife was prepared to get involved and wrote them a letter and talked pigeon. And pigeon, you know, we, we live there. And she was basically his mama telling these boys how the cow eats cabbage. And they needed to get to work. Anyway, we get there. They show up. I didn't say a word. They hit the ground running. 
I think more than they have in years. Working together. Oscar asking for, I didn't mean to use his name. <laughs> you know, one guy asking for the other's opinions, the other's willing to give them, give it. Uh, guy willing to listen and take some input, especially Joachim's about 10 years older than him. Age is a big deal there. You know, working together. And the other guy's willing to give it and willing to say, hey, yeah, that, that is good. Or the other three saying, you know, really, yeah, that's okay, but I, it really is better if we do this. And it was just amazing. I haven't seen them work together that well in a long time. And also, they wore me out. Taking short breaks. I was trying to take longer breaks, you know, and 4.30 in the afternoon is when we turn the generator off. And I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm wanting to quit and go to the house. And they say, well, we've still got battery power. Let's go ahead and finish this chapter. That doesn't happen in the finishing. <laughs> but it did this session. And all I can say is the Lord just decided to get these guys moving because I couldn't have done that. When we lived in Papua New Guinea before, and I spent all those years in Deem CC Village trying to get people to do something. I can't make them do anything. But God has just chosen at this time with his, these people that God has chosen to work. And I get to sit there and watch. You know, it's hard work, but there, there are literally times I'm sitting at there at the table and think, I don't believe I get to do this. Anyway, <clears throat> so I try not to get so teared up about it it's kind of like you know there's hard jobs and there's fun jobs and right now i've got a fun job and so it's fun to share about where are we here um this shows all the green is what it what we've already been done and the yellow is what we got done this last session and that's really more than we expected we'd already done the first couple of chapters of james i just hope to finish james and get hebrews done i i hoped we would but we we got uh, James finished, got all of Hebrews done, and got all of First Peter done. In fact, the very last day we were done and the generator was off. And they're saying, we're nearly done with First Peter, keep going. I said, I'm dying. No, we got to finish. <laughs> so we got all those done. We were averaging about 25 verses a day, for which in epistles, that's, that's blowing and going. And, um, and I think, I think it's pretty good. We have enough experience now with translating in epistles and checking our stuff with other people in the village that, that I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that it's in pretty good shape. I don't think we were giving up quality by going faster. So, um, so this is where we are now. All of the green is stuff that's done. Basically, we have first, second Corinthians, Galatians, and Revelation left to go. Uh, and then when we, and those are already in first draft. We just need to go through them together and clean them up. Um, so I'm hoping that in the next two or maybe three trips we'll get that done. Then it'll take us another year or two. We'll do a, we'll do a full read-through. Uh, we've got a lot of spelling to clean up. Again, this stuff's not been written before, so we're just kind of making stuff up as we go as far as spelling and all, and we're trying to clean that up as we go. A few key terms we haven't settled. Um, the first book or two we translated probably aren't very good. We need to go back and, and clean those up. Uh, but, you know, it's starting to look like, you know, in another three years or so, maybe we'll actually finish in the uh, Finney New Testament. Uh, some of you that are new here may not know, we've, we've already published portions, these two books together, about half the New Testament that have been published and distributed. But, of course, we'd like to have a, a, a full New Testament all put together. There's a lot of, it's kind of motivational too. It feels more like, the Bible, if you've got the whole New Testament in a book, than if you have little pamphlets. Um, 
when we got these done, uh, what we did, I, some years ago I got this little ring binder thing, and so I printed up copies of James and Hebrews, a few copies, and bound them. And so they'll take these back to the village now. What they're doing now is over the next few weeks they'll be reading this stuff to uh, in their church and to their church leaders and family and people in the community and getting feedback uh, you know, we're not really asking people whether they think our exegesis is correct. Um, but what we're wanting is input. Is the language clear? Is the way we worded it clear? Is it misunderstood? Or did we not use the language right? Um, so they're doing that now. There's another thing that, that was, has really been amazing to watch. And... Um, doesn't directly relate to Finney, but it does to NITI, but it's just encouraging about what the Lord's doing. You may recall that one of the things I asked about prayer for was this guy here, Lori, um, had been applying for a scholarship to a Bible school in Australia. Now, what the story is, these guys are the translators for the Fonamocket language. The Fonamocket is the language that borders Finney. And they're very closely related languages, kind of like Spanish and French. They're, they're real similar, but not quite close enough to understand each other. Um, and they're a bit ahead of us on the Finney team. They, they in fact, have finished their translation, and are, they're in the last stages of their, um, their read-throughs. And, in fact, they may have sent off for typesetting. I'm not sure. So they're a little bit ahead of us. But all three of these guys are neat. All, not all the Finney translate. Sorry, not all the translators in NIT are, are believers. I don't think they're all church people. That's a requirement to be involved. But I don't know that they're all believers, and certainly not on the Finney team. They're not all believers. Uh, but these guys are. These are strong, strong Christian believers. And Laurie, he's the same age as my oldest son. He's 35. Strong, strong believer. He's one of the directors on the board there. A uh, very respected leader in his community and his church. And uh, dear, dear brother. He's probably my best friend there. One of my best friends in the world, I would say. He's my go-to guy. <laughs> if I have a problem with one of the other people, you know, like relationship or got some heavy and this has come up before, he's the guy I go to for, for counsel. He's, he's just a good brother. And so uh, he had all these hoops to get through. Uh, the largest hoop was getting a visa into Australia because Australians do not like letting Papua New Guineans into their country, uh, mainly because they're afraid they won't, they'll disappear and they can't make them go home. I mean, they have the same issues we have in America, and, you know, there's a lot of that mess goes on. So he had, I, I think it was 55 pages of stuff he had to fill out. It's a funny story. One of the things is he had to give his home address. When you live in a bush hut... In a village, you're not on a street. I mean, his village has a name. Anyway, um, well, he, pat, he had took all his English exams and everything. Well, here's the answer to the question. Here he is. He's in Sydney, Australia now, um, studying. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. This is uh, Elizabeth Fritzel. She is the advisor for the Fonamocket translation the way I am with the Finney. Uh, but what I'm pointing Elizabeth is Swedish. She's from Sweden. Uh, he's Papua New Guinean. They're in Australia. I'm showing you these pictures and talking about it in the U.S. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. 
um, make a point about that. But here's what I want to tell the kind of guy Lori is. Um, Lori hadn't even started Bible school yet. It starts in January. What the deal is, is his English was good enough to pass the English test to get a visa, an Australian visa. And his English was good enough to get accepted to the Bible school. But the Bible school said, you do need some help with your English. So we're going to also give you a scholarship to go to English school for six months. And that's why he's there now. And this is an ESL that's not for beginners. It's aimed for international students that are coming to study in Australia. So they've got students from all over the world. It's a secular school. It's not a Christian school. It's a secular school. So they've got students there being brought up to speed on writing essays, research papers, how to do footnotes and bibliographies. He's, he's doing that kind of stuff. So, so he's going to this school. That's where he is now. And just before the end of the session last month, He's sending emails to Elizabeth telling him what's going on. Okay, I'm getting settled in. I'm freezing to death. You know, he's from the tropics and he's about, you can't tell in that picture, he's about to die in that picture, I can tell you. Um, He's going to this school. Right off the bat, he finds this Indonesian student who's also a Christian. And they become buddies. They found a good church home um, that's somewhat connected to the school. Uh, Found a good church home. But he's befriending these other students, one of whom is from the Middle East. And I don't remember which country. If I did remember, I probably wouldn't say. But he's from the Middle East, Muslim. They befriended him. Laurie and his Indonesian friend befriended him. Start sharing Jesus with him. And he says, you know, I'd kind of like to know more about Jesus because he can't find out in his home country. And he says, in fact, I think maybe I'd like to go to church with you. But they're going to church all the way on the other side of Australia. I don't know if uh, on the other side of Sydney. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to Sydney, but Sydney's a gigantic city. It's about the size of Texas. But anyway, this guy says, well, I don't... He, he says, I, you know, I can't drive from this school all the way to that other one. So uh, Laurie goes to the pastor of the church he was attending. He said, hey, I got this Muslim friend... Um, but we kind of need to find a church closer to the language school. Do you know anybody? And he, So he starts calling up his pastor friends over there. Yeah, there's a church uh, close to the language school. You could go there. And so Lori asks him, okay, I need to ask you, how are they going to feel about a Papua New Guinea and an Indonesian walking in with Mosul? <laughs> they said, all right. And I thought, how are we going to feel if a Papua New Guinean and an Indonesian walks through the door right now with a Muslim and they're going to say, can we come in here? And I know where this church works to say, yeah, of course you can. Please come in. You're welcome. I brought my passport. There's a point I want to make. I brought my U.S. Passport. It looks kind of ragged. It's been underwater a couple of times, and I'll confess I ran it through the washing machine once. And, uh, you know, this passport, it says the United States, and I have to do various paperwork, and we have our rules, and I haven't, I've got a visa to pass through Australia because you can't get to Papua New Guinea from here. You have to go through somewhere else. So I've got um, visas for Australia, and I've got the rules I have to follow when I'm there, and 
Then when I get into Papua New Guinea, I have a five-year work permit and a three-year visa, and I've got to follow their rules. And, and Lori has his Papua New Guinean passport, and um, Liz, whoops, Elizabeth, you know, her, her document says Sweden on it. Um, Robin says Australia. There's all these different ones. But, you know, as I travel, when I'm, when I'm in Papua New Guinea, I, I know I'm not really in my home country. And when I'm in Australia, I know I'm not really in my home country. But you know what? When I'm in America, I'm not in my home country either. And Sweden is not really Lisbeth's home. And Papua New Guinea is not really Lori's, where his citizenship is. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven with the Lord. You know, and I, I, look, at, I look at Lori and his Indonesian friend in Australia, ministering to a Muslim from the Middle East, and I think, what does God think about international borders? What do you and I think about international borders? Now, I realize the citizens of countries, and there, there's a place for passports and border security and all that. But as Christians, as Christians, I'm going to say, I don't, when we're working together in Papua New Guinea, we've had, we've had Brits, Dutch, Germans, Koreans, you know, we're all working together. But this is my sister. She's not a foreigner. He's my brother. He's not a foreigner. We're, we're citizens of the same country. And, and I, I get to have the joy of getting to work in that environment where people actually feel that way. You know, we can have fun and laugh about each other's differences, but that's only because we really do believe we're brothers and sisters. And what this says is entirely incidental. I think it's unfortunate in America right now that there's kind of a whole section that's sort of like, I'm an American and Christianity is just kind of a bumper sticker on the back of my car. But I hope you and I can think, we're a child of the Lord and we're, we belong to the kingdom of heaven and I just happen to have been born in the U.S. I'm glad I was. I've lived in a third world country for years and I love America and I'm glad, I've, I'm glad I live here. But this isn't really my home and, and I hope you feel that way too. Oh, I just wanted to take this... Um, I was just going to show this because it was funny because it's kind of related to this. I wanted to just snap a picture because since I've been going there for so, so many years, I'm just like you. The first time or two I went there, I took a thousand pictures. And now I don't even take a camera, you know, because I've been there so long. So I, I took a camera and, and took some pictures. And this is where I eat supper every night, seven days a week, you know, for a month. I sit there on the sidewalk. That's my little slippers there. Uh, and unless it's raining, we sit inside there. So I just wanted to snap a picture. Well, Naaman said, well, if you're going to take that home, you need to be in the picture. So we tried, you know, I sat down, so he took the picture. So there's me in there. And they looked at that picture and they busted out laughing. They just laughed and laughed and laughed. And they almost always do when they see a picture because, you know, when we're living and working together there, we get to where we just don't even see each other's skin color. It's like when I'm over there, it's so international, I realize that I don't even hear people's accents. After I, I'll meet someone and I realize I don't know if they were American or Australian or what. I just, I don't even think about it. But it shows up when you take a picture. You might be able to tell in this picture it was just about to get dark. And uh, 
it's really, for me, it's embarrassing because when it gets dark, they all disappear. <laughs> and I glow like a light stick. I'm not kidding. I, I honestly think my skin glows. On a clear night, you can see me from a hundred yards away. And I find that embarrassing. I just, I don't like being conspicuous. I can get up here in front of you and talk because I'm just talking about the Lord, you know, what the Lord's doing, and that's fun. But anyway, I just want to show that because they thought it was so funny. But, but it's, it's neat to work with brothers and sisters where we can actually have a love where, you know, the diversity that God has given us is just something to enjoy. It's not something to be afraid of. And uh, it's, you know, it's not like that everywhere in the world. But, and, and I have had encounters with Papua New Guineans who did not feel that way about me, and they made that very clear. Uh, but I live to tell the tale. Um, I'm going to show a short video that's probably the highlight of this thing as far as just an encouragement. But I want to give the background of this video. Uh, this couple here recently joined our team at NITI. Um, and uh, there was an older couple. They, got, they were in their late 70s and just couldn't do it anymore. And they handled a lot of the logistics. They do a lot of the management and the finances and maintaining the facilities and all. But the interesting thing about them, this guy here, Bruce... Uh, he was a pilot for many, many years. Uh, they worked in Colombia for years and years and years until S, uh, Wycliffe closed down in Colombia. Uh, he was a pilot. In, back, in fact, back when Carrie and the kids and I lived in Papua New Guinea, he was the guy sometimes that flew us out to our village. We were in a remote village way out in the bush and took us out in a little airplane and plopped us down in a little grass strip. He was, sometimes he was the one that flew us out of there, flew us uh, to and from the village. Uh, well, a few years ago, he developed an eye problem. Lost his ticket. He can still see well enough to do things and drive. He didn't lose his driver's license. He can't fly anymore. That was his whole life, being a missionary pilot. Loved to fly. Actually, what he says, he loves to drive machinery, whether it's a bulldozer. That's why he was a pilot. He doesn't get to fly. I mean, that's what he is, a missionary pilot. She's a nurse. What did he do? Go home and lick his wounds? He said, well... Lord, that was fun while I got to fly, but what can I do now? Where can I serve? Look at the look on his face. Does he look sad? He's got such a servant's heart. He's a wonderful guy to live, uh, to work with. And uh, he said, where can I serve? And so he's there now working with us um, on, on this translation work. Well, to get back to the video... There are a lot of neat things about being a missionary pilot. But one of the neat things about being a missionary pilot in Papua New Guinea is, with all this Bible translation, is that whenever a Bible tra- a New Testament gets finished, and there have been, I, I don't know the count in Papua New Guinea now, I think it's over 200 different languages that the New Testament's been translated into. When they finish and publish, they'll have a big uh, dedication service. Well, being a pilot... He got to go to a lot of them because he was flying dignitaries and church representatives. They'd be flying them out to... That's mainly how you get around in Papua New Guinea. There's no roads in most places. So he got to go to a lot of these things as a pilot. And when he'd go, he would take pictures and video clips. And finally, a few years ago, he said, I think I'll just stick some of these together with some music. In this last session, he just happened. He'd made it about five years ago. And he he asked us other experts. He said, you guys want to watch this? We watched it and we all said, we want to copy that to take home to show. So this is a video he put together of just 
kind of a collage of a bunch of these New Testament dedications he's been to. And I want to preface it with one thing. Is uh, You'll be seeing a lot of these Papua New Guineans will be wearing traditional dress and feathers and stuff like that. What I would say is don't get distracted by that. Papua New Guineans never dress like that daily. Uh, this is just celebration. That's, you know, rather than do this in a tie... In most places, they dress up. So what you're seeing, basically, is celebration at getting God's Word in the language that they understand. And if you can look past the feathers and the, the paint and just see, when you see them, just see people like your neighbors and your brothers and sisters and your moms and dads and the kids. See people celebrating God's Word.
wife made fun of him. <laughs> uh, they were so excited. They were so excited. Um, I had a... Um, my mind went completely blank. I'll get it back in just a moment. Um, anyway, there was that. I had a section, you notice in the handbook, I was going to do a... Um, a little thing, just an example of in Bible translation. That's what this picture was. Is you know, it's pretty exciting. Oh, now I got it back. You know, the dedication is pretty exciting. Even when he just did these did these portions, they had big dedication service like that, and that's pretty exciting. But um, but you know, uh, to get there, there's a lot of just a lot of detail work. And that's what this picture was going to be that, you know, it's just several hours a day working through details. And so I was going to work through an example of a particular thing we struggle with in Hebrews about the conscience, that the writer mentions the con- conscience in, um, in chapter 13, but he'd also talked about it in chapter 9. And I was going to use that as an example of how, you know, we wrestle with details, but, the, but really the point the only reason to wrestle with the details is so we get the point of the message. That's what I like about the way Bruce ended that video, that for all the flash and the gala, that's neat. But how does it end? It's just a guy proclaiming God's truth. Just proclaiming God's truth. And that's the point. We don't want to get lost in the details. Uh, as a Bible translator, we're having to wrestle with all of the little grammar particles inside a verse. But I'm always working with the Finney guys. Don't lose sight of the message. The whole point is the message of the redemption we have through Jesus Christ to be restored to the Father. Um, I've, there's a situation that I remember when many years ago I was at an air show. I'm not a pilot, but I love airplanes. I was at an air show. And uh, they had a C-5 cargo airplane there, a great big, huge thing on the ramp. And you could go out there and walk around. I was standing up in the wheel well, and I just, I was so struck by that huge airplane. And there was a little, little tiny bracket with a screw that was holding, I don't know if it was a hydraulic line or a power cable or what it was. 
and, and I thought, you know, somewhere there's a piece of paper that's got a drawing of that screw with the specifications and the thread pitch and everything, you know. But that screw itself isn't really, that's not, that screw can't do the mission. It's important. If it's not there, I don't know what that cable was, but I bet if it, I bet if it wiggled loose and got worn through in flight, there'd be a problem. <laughs> you know, lose hydraulic pressure or short or something. I don't know. It's gotta be there. But that's not really the mission. The mission for the airplane is to move people and cargo from point A to point B. And I'm always stressing with the guys when we're translating, you know, we've got to wrestle with all of these details. What did the writer mean when he talked about the conscience being made complete? What, is, what does he mean by conscience? What does he mean by made complete? Why is he talking about that? That simply analyzing that and ending up with ink on paper has never been our mission. That's just, that's just our part in God's mission of calling sinners back to Himself. And the goal of our translation is so people will hear that message. And I like to tie all this together with, with just one story that I'm going to tell just because I think it's funny. I think I told this yesterday morning at the men's thing. Tying all this together about national borders and different people and backgrounds and the point of the story is, you know, since you guys haven't lived in Papua New Guinea for many years, they kind of look stranger to you than they do to me. They just look like my friends to me. Your friends probably don't wear leaves and feathers, but anyway, they just look like my friends to me. But when we were translating Ephesians 5 and we were doing the part where uh, Paul is talking about our talk, about filthy talk and coarse jesting, and that shouldn't be occurring among you, and he talks about why, and, and uh, we were spending a lot of time, I was helping them, you know, understand what different kinds of talk Paul is delineating the reason it's important whether we do that. And I was trying to trying to get from them their terminology for uh, get them to understand different kinds of inappropriate talk. And they're kind of hum hawing around. I think we were on kind of like uh, just crude, dirty talk. Some of it had to do with uh, sexual innuendo, but we were more just basically what. We would talk about just being a potty mouth, you know. And anyway, I'm, I'm trying to get up across all of this stuff, and they're acting like... Uh, I finally said, look, guys, I don't believe for one minute that you guys don't have ways of talking trash, that there's times that you think is appropriate, and other times, well, that's not really nice. I said, I'll give you an example. I said, when I was a kid, there's certain kind of things that, you know, just certain kind of trash talk that my mother... I, I said, my mama said... If you talk like that, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Well, she caught me. Well, I was, I don't know how old I was, four or five years old, and I was talking trash. And she actually did that. She made me stick my tongue out. She rubbed my bar of soap on my mouth. Well, these four guys, four guys in this picture, they busted out laughing. And it was Oscar. He said, our mothers tell us that too, but they never actually do it. I said, well, mine did. So after that, I was more careful about when I talked like that. I don't know how much it cleaned up my heart, but at least it made me more careful. The only reason I tell that story is, you know, we're living in America. They're living in Papua New Guinea in a culture that looks completely different. Paul was from one culture. He was writing to another culture. We all have the same problem. That's why Ephesians 5 applied to Paul. 
It applied to the people in Ephesus and Asia. It applies to my friends in Papua New Guinea. It applies to us that our talk reflects what's going on in our head. And he's specifically talking about women. Our talk reflects what I think about women. If I'm making all kinds of crude sexual innuendo jokes, that reveals kind of how I think about my wife. Maybe it reveals how I think about your wife, and then I shouldn't be. And that's important. And my point is, that's the same everywhere. That's the same everywhere. And uh, U.S., Papua New Guinea, and people need the Lord. And, and I'm not in Papua New Guinea because it's strange and it's in the jungle. My wife grew up thinking missions means deepest, darkest Africa. I'm just in Papua New Guinea because there are people like me who need the Lord and the Bible hadn't been translated into their language. It would be convenient for me if they lived in Toler. I wish Toler speak Finney. I could just do the translation Toler. I'm not there. I'm there because they're like me, not because they're different. And um, I won't go through my... I won't go through this... Uh, because it just makes that point. The point is we're spreading the, God, the good news about Jesus Christ. And it's really been fun to give this report. I've, I've had to give up and get a lot of reports. Like I'm sure there were times Jeremiah <laughs> was giving a report to his friends back home and say, well, it's another bad day at the office. But this is a fun report. Uh, it's just God is doing amazing things in Papua New Guinea. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do... Thank you and just rejoice in your grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have confidence in you even from when in our perspective it looks like your work is failing. We know it never is. That that hell cannot prevail against your kingdom. That you will succeed. That your son defeated all opposition on the cross. And the resurrection. We thank you that in your grace you allow us as sinful people ourselves. You allow us to participate in your work. We thank you for your restoring power. Not only the forgiveness but even changing our hearts today. To not only love you better but to love one another better. And we thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen.